Yeah, I really appreciate that song. That was great. I've never heard that song before. So thankful our God is faithful to us, even when we've been so unfaithful to Him. And uh, you know, I hope that you're taking full advantage of your relationship with God, getting all you can out of it. You got your Bible? Get to Proverbs chapter 23. And uh, I've really enjoyed our doctrinal series on Sunday nights, and I know uh, some subjects are deeper than other subjects, and some subjects are harder to understand than others, Uh, and I I appreciate that the Bible has so much that we can learn from it, that we can spend our entire life studying it, and still only begin to scratch the surface of the wisdom that our God truly has. And at the same time, we can open that same book and we can find timeless truths that are so simple to understand, but are so life-changing that we can never get tired of those either. And so I'm so thankful for the Bible, and tonight is not going to be one of those messages that is difficult to understand, at least I hope not, otherwise I'm communicating poorly. It's not a difficult subject to understand, in fact, it's probably a subject that many might be tempted to turn your ears off right from the very get-go when we start talking about it. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about our hearts, our hearts. Your heart is a tool made by God to serve a specific purpose. He made it to allow you to feel all of the emotions of life, to decide what you want in life, to choose the direction you go in life. Your heart is what controls your mind. It, uh, it affects your will. It, it affects your emotions. It is what you feel. It's what you want. It's what you think. The Bible has a lot to say about that, as you can imagine. We rely on feedback from our hearts to determine how we feel when things happen to us, right? Some people can have things uh, happen in their life that they might not like, and they can say, woe is me, God, is, uh, God must not exist. And then there's others who can go through similar circumstances who can walk away from that and say that God has been faithful. As you sit in your seat this evening, we're sifting through all of the things going on in our life in the midst of a busy week, trying to decide how much attention we should pay tonight at church versus thinking about what's going on after we get out of here or thinking about what we've got going on the rest of the week, thinking about uh, you know, what we can uh, do with our children later on or what we can do with our family later on. And it is our hearts that determine the decisions that we make. And if we're going to have a heart that is set on the things of God, we must understand how our heart works. There are dangers associated with our heart. Our Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You sitting here this evening, whether you've been saved for uh, one day or whether you've been saved for 50 years, you are still instructed by God to keep your heart with all diligence. It is not the new Christian whose affection is so quickly swayed away from the things of God. It is those of us who've been saved for many years who are so easily tempted to lose sight of how good and how faithful God has been to us. When functioning as it is supposed to, it will guide us to the will that God has for our life, and when it is not, it will just as surely steer us away from what God would have us to do in our life. Have you given your thought Have you given your heart much thought recently? 
Our hearts cannot be trusted. Uh, In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, when God looked out across the earth and saw the wickedness of man, it was uh, was that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart of man was only evil continually. We live in a similar day and age today. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Christian, your heart, just as the heart of the uh, billboard for what a lost person is in our society is, you have the same wicked, deceitful heart that that person does. And it cannot be trusted. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Your heart is important. The heart of every Christian here is constantly being challenged and pulled in one direction or another. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the Bible says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I don't have some fancy uh, message for you this evening. I don't have some new, uh, previously unlearned truth from the Bible to give you, but I want to give you a solemn reminder this evening that our hearts are very important. Our hearts are wicked beyond measure, and in our natural state, we have no hope to have a heart that seeks after the things of God. Our hearts are fickle. They're unknowable. They're foolish. Our hearts are obstinate, perverse, froward, and proud. They're corrupt, evil, and are deceitful and desperately wicked. And in Proverbs chapter 23, our Father in Heaven has such a significant statement that He makes to His people that I want to draw your attention to this evening. Verse number 26 of Proverbs chapter 23. My son, give me thine heart. Let thine eyes observe my ways. Such a simple thing for God to say. My son, give me thine heart. And I I will say this, uh, until I really became a parent, I did not fully, and I still don't fully understand the gravity of that statement, but I can tell you this, I want my children to give me their heart as I try to lead them through the early years of their life. And our Heavenly Father loves us so much that He wants us to choose to willingly give our hearts to Him. God desires to have your heart. Now, Think, think about this for a second. Normally, when we go to God, what are we doing when we go to God? We're normally asking God for things, right? You know, uh, my, my, my kids are at the age where, uh, you know, we, we pray with them every night and, uh, you know, they're, they're not saved yet. They're, you know, my, my son's four, my daughter's two, and you can imagine the prayers of a four-year-old and a two-year-old, right? My son, Ben, he, he, likes, to, he, said, he, he likes to pray that he has no bad dreams but that he has silly dreams and good dreams. He asks for silly dreams almost every night. Uh, My my daughter Eva uh, prays that she doesn't poop in her diaper that night. 
And then they go through basically just this wish list of things, you know, uh, and, you know, like Ben, he, just the other night, he says, uh, Lord, be with Daddy, help him to play, uh, play with Legos with me tomorrow. It's like, all right, these are some interesting things to take to Lord, but hey, they're, you're, they're, they're, they're praying and they're learning. Uh, I'm not, you know, I know that's not the most spiritual way for them to pray. Uh, you, you'll have to pray for them on that, but... Uh, we often just go to God with you know, our own grown-up version of a, a grocery list of things that we desire in, in life. And I think as we mature as Christians, a lot of times uh, that list becomes uh, less selfish. But there are still a lot of things that, you know, when the Lord answers those prayers, it's not like we're praying that the Lord does something that we don't want Him to do. Right? You know, Lord, heal this person. You know, we, we, we want that person to get better, but, you know, it does kind of help us when they get better. Right, we we want uh, you know I, I ask the Lord for wisdom almost every single day of my life, and you know what uh, it, that that wisdom that He gives me, you know that's that's a pretty good benefit to me, right? But so we 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 spend all this time when we pray. Hopefully, you do pray when we when we pray. We go to God and we're asking God for things so often. There are very few instances in the Bible where uh, you know God asks us for something Himself. Right? God is normally the one who is giving us of blessings and who is responding to our requests. And here God has a request for you and for me, and that is for us to give Him our hearts. To allow Him to be the focus of our heart's affection. That is to give God your heart. He stands at the door of His own creatures and asks, not for offerings or for words of praise, but for our hearts. Think about the position that we are in comparison to God. God made everything. What are we? Right? We, we, we are puny little microscopic insects that, that He created, and, and He wants us to give Him our hearts. Right? That, that, that doesn't really seem like that big of a request. And when you think about what God is actually even asking us, it's not like God is asking us to do something that's not going to help us. Why else would God want our hearts besides His love for us? Think about that. We don't have anything to offer Him. The wisest person in here, you have no wisdom to offer God. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The strongest person in this room has no strength to add to the strength of God. I mean, He created the Son. Think, think about it. If the sun were much closer or much farther away from the, from, from, from the earth, uh, if the earth were much closer or much further away from the earth, we would either freeze or burn to death. God's got plenty of strength. Our, 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 our human strength is nothing compared to the strength that God has. God doesn't need your beauty. He made the flowers and all the things that we see in creation. He doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God is not looking 
for what you have to offer Him, but instead He loves us so much that He desires that we would give Him our heart. How foolish are we to give our hearts to something else? Right? If God wants your heart this evening, why would you not give it to Him? I don't think that any of us make this conscious effort to say, you know what? I'm going to give my heart to money instead of God. Forget that. I'm going to live my life for money. God can just wait. Uh, we, don't, we don't do that. But that, that inadvertently happens in so many of our lives, though. And, it does, and it's not just money that we give our hearts to. We give our hearts to so many things that are so stupid, right? Uh, you know, we, we like to rip on the teenagers for, you know, giving their hearts to video games or giving their hearts to, you know, their, their, their relationships that last all of 10 minutes. Uh, but we as adults give our hearts to some stupid things too. I'm not, I, I, I'm not a Bengals fan. I'm probably an anti-fan, if anything, right? I, I was hoping they would lose just because I don't like how excited people get about it. And I know that probably offends some of you, but, you know, that's the same reason I don't like Ohio State. It's like, I just, I, I, for some reason, as a, as a, when it comes to sports, I want to see uh, fans upset. Right? That, that probably is not, that, that is not how the heart of God works uh, towards us, obviously. But, and I actually don't even know where I was going with the story anymore. Yeah. We care about some stupid things as adults. Right? We, 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 we give our attention and our affection to things that do not matter. And we also can give our attention and affection to things that matter, but we just place them in a position in our life to where they become out of place. And I think that is probably the danger that m most Christians in this room would be in. We give our attention and our affection and the throne of our heart to things that are good, things that are uh, even things that we should care about, but we fail to make sure that God is where He needs to be. We fail to make sure that we are giving our Father our hearts. We really believed that God, the Creator of everything, wanted our hearts. We would give it to Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah, I got it right. Memory verse season. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher any verses and. You know, the get bashed over the head later on because of that. What are you seeking first this evening? Right? I know you're here tonight. That's great. But as I was, as I was studying for this message, you know, it, it, it caused me to take some inventory in my own life and say, you know what? You know, there's some things that I've given more of my attention and affection to and it's caused my God to slip below where He should be in my life. We're good at giving God some of our hearts. We've carefully measured out how much of ourselves we can give God to avoid the chastening of God. We've carefully determined the amount of faithfulness that we can have to keep the preacher off our back and to maintain the, uh, the, the, uh, the perception that others have of us. But in our heart of hearts, have you chosen 
to neglect to give your Father your heart. Give God your heart because He loves you. Because God is God, we must give Him not some of our heart, but all of our heart. Those who are married, I, I, I want you to just very quickly consider the heart that you have for your own spouse. Right? If, if I were to stand up here and tell you that uh, you know, I'm being true and faithful to my wife and I am not giving her 100% of my available attention and affection, but rather splitting that between her and somebody else, you would say that I'm not being faithful to my spouse. Right? I, I, I'll stand up here and say, you know, there is not a single lady that I have any interest in whatsoever. My wife has 100% of my heart. Right? And the throne of your life can only be occupied by one person. You cannot split the throne of your life. There can only be one first place. If you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right? That's a command. Right? It's obviously a command. We're supposed to, God is supposed to be first. And then when we get to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Uh, God has commanded us to give uh, everything we have to him, to have him as first place in our life. And because God loves us so much, he knows what is best for us and lovingly invites us to give us his, uh, to give him our hearts so that we can best follow him and do what he wants us to do. Right? What God wants for us is what is best. Right? There is not a single parent here who would say, hey, uh, buddy, uh, why don't you listen to what I have to say and tell him to go do something stupid and wrong. It's like, hey, Ben, come here. Why don't you go, why don't you go run out in the middle of River Road? The cars won't hit you. Oh, why, why, don't, we, why don't we just do it at night, too? That way they won't see you. Right? Our, no, no parent would do that. You'd go to jail, obviously. I mean, rightfully so. God, God is not that... God, our Heavenly Father is not looking to point us in the wrong direction. He's not looking to ruin our lives. He's not looking to change things that should not already be changed. He's looking for what is best for us. And if He does not have your heart this evening, then you are missing something that He wants you to have. Are you all in? This evening. One of the things that's funny about being a, a youth leader, and, and I'm sure anybody who's been around sports or even any kind of activity or even in your job, there is always that person who is an extreme underachiever who looks at everything else around them and says, this is why, right? Uh, I can, I, I can, I've lost count of how, of how many kids uh, have gone through the youth group who've said, you know what, uh, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the team because, uh, you know, the favoritism, you know, the, co- the coach didn't, the coach, you know, liked that kid better than me, and so uh, they got to play and I didn't. Or, or, or you know, even as adults, man, you know, that, that person, they're an idiot. They got, they got a promotion above me. They don't know what they're doing. Are you sure about that? Is every single boss you've ever had incompetent, right? Is every single coach out there out to get you? No. Right? What it, what it is is we, 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 we don't go 
100%, and then we get upset when we don't have the results that we wanted, right? Uh, you know, famously, Michael Jordan was cut from uh, the basketball team when he was in high school. You know, instead of just, you know, giving up, he went and he practiced for hours and hours every single day and became, you know, arguably the best player that ever lived, right? I don't like LeBron James anyway, so I'll say Michael Jordan's the best, right? He went all in. Right? And we sit here as Christians, we sit here as believers, and we don't give the Lord our hearts. We give Him what we feel like giving Him. We obey when we feel like obeying. We do what God wants us to do when it is convenient for us. And then we wonder why things don't work out the way they should work out. Unless we give our hearts completely to God, we will never prosper in our relationship with God. Right? That's why the Bible says in the book of James, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Right? If you are trying to split the affection of your heart between God and something else, you know what? That is double-minded and you will be unstable in all your ways and nothing will fully have your heart and you will have success in nothing. The things that you're trying to split, you're not going to be able to manage both of them. One will give way to the other. The Laodicean church was lukewarm. And uh, I think many of us as Christians, we grow lukewarm in, in, our, in our affection towards the Lord. And uh, the Bible says that He's going to spew us out. He would rather us be cold or hot. Because God is God, because He loves us, because He desires to have our hearts, we must give Him all of our hearts rather than just some of our hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Go ahead and turn there real quick. While you're turning there, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. You know what? Uh, are you in your relationship with God pursuing Him with all of your might? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 says, And now... Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might? God desires to have your heart. Does he have your heart this evening? Your heart is going out to something or someone today. We must wisely choose where to invest our hearts. Earlier in Proverbs chapter 23, it's a, uh, in, in, in verse 23, it says to buy the truth and to sell it not. Right? Uh, if you're going to give the Lord your heart, it will cost you something. You will have to move something else off of the throne of your life in order to place God at the proper place. Who or what possesses your heart this evening? Is it something blatantly sinful or is it something good that's just out of its proper place? Either way, we must choose to value our relationship with God to such a degree where we choose to give God our hearts first. It is not your circumstance or your family or uh, what has gone on in your past that causes you to choose where your heart is. You get to determine who has your heart. You get to determine whom you give it to. 
And I hope this evening you are choosing to give your heart, your attention, your affection to something that matters. I hope that you're choosing to place no other gods before your God this evening. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 19 says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Is your heart in the hands of your Father this evening? Who has your heart? You can change it today, by the way, if your heart is not where it's supposed to be. We can ensure that God has our heart by regularly examining ourselves and choosing to give our Father our heart. It is a willful decision that you must make. It is a decision to die daily to yourself, to take up your cross and follow Him, to give Him your heart. Have you chosen to do that today? Who has your heart? And I can guarantee you that if you are not consciously making the choice to yield yourself to God, your heart has drifted to something else. Daily commit yourself to giving God your heart. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. You want to ensure that God has your heart, you need to take heed to what the word of God says. You need to daily Put yourself in the place where you will, uh, instead of being conformed to this world, where you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to consult the Word of God, which is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, to ensure that you have your heart where it should be. Like I said, this message is not a message of something new and exciting that we need to learn, but this is a reminder that every Christian needs from time to time to take inventory as to who possesses your heart this evening. <coughs> it's very easy for our children to possess our hearts. Maybe not so much when they become teenagers and college students, but it's very easy for our children to possess our hearts. It's very easy for our spouse to possess our heart. It's very easy for our careers to possess our heart. We spend so much time at work. We spend so much time pursuing our job and we spend years and years and years doing it. It's very easy for us to just get focused on those things, but we need to on purpose every single day yield ourselves to our God to ensure that our loving Father has our heart. Whenever I have to tell my children what to do or instruct them, Right? They're still pretty young. There's, you know, they're, they're not really in the phase where you can explain very much to them. It's like, hey, just don't go out in the street and don't you know, you know, tie anything around your neck for crying out loud. But when I instruct my children, I, will, I, I want to have their heart. I want them to trust me. I want them to know that I'm looking out for them. And our God in heaven, He wants nothing more than to be proven faithful in your life. Our God in heaven wants nothing more than to be the friend that sticketh closer than a brother in your life. And if you are missing that in your relationship with God, if you're missing out on the grace that He has available to you, maybe it is because you have not chosen to set your affection on the things above rather than on the things, and you're focused on the things that are below. 
Who has your heart this evening? If you're here today and you don't yet know Christ as Savior, you must choose first to give Him your heart for salvation. You must choose to be born again, to place your faith in Him for your eternity. And until you do that, He will never possess your heart. And so as we close this evening, I just want to give you just one final charge. Take inventory of your life. Take inventory of your heart. Only you and God know who's got your heart. Make sure that you've given it to your Father first. Pastor. You'd bow your head.